1: Since the beginning of the world, men have not heard, nor perceived by the ear, neither has the eye seen, O God, besides you, what you have prepared for him that waits for him. Waits for who? Waits for the coming of Messiah. But who is he? When will he come? Why will he come? And who can best understand who he is and when he is coming. Today on Viewpoint, we are opening up the first salvo, shall we say, concerning the mystery of Messiah. The mystery of Messiah. History hides its mysteries, friends, whether you realize it or not. In fact, though, mysteries demand to be solved. The shroud that has veiled this messianic mystery for mankind's entire sojourn on planet Earth is going to soon be drawn back in an apocalyptic unveiling. The word apocalyptic means unveiling. A revelation of reality that has escaped our own understanding and a sweeping away a persistently frustrating blindness. Jews await the Messiah. Muslims await the Mahdi. Christians await Messiah's second coming. Many await a messianic age, whatever that might be. But the reality is, messianic fervor is exploding worldwide. Yet, the details remain shrouded in mystery even to this very day. On the other hand, this is our moment. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, the leaders of the nations are trembling on the precipice of global conflagration. People are terrified. Nothing seems certain, except, by the way, chaos, catapulting our planet to the precipice of a chasm so sheer as to shake the confidence of the most courageous. On the other hand, in the midst of that, we need a ray of hopeful light in the encroaching darkness don't we so that means this is our moment of truth and destiny is riding in the balance so I urge you today and in the days and weeks to follow that you will join me on this fascinating journey through time so as to grasp more effectively the solemnity and solutions for our time time is short So we have to proceed quickly, even as we grope in the darkness. But the picture that's going to soon emerge will either leave you awash in unprecedented hope or in unfathomable horror. So, we're going to be on our way to unveil history's greatest mystery, the haunting yet persistent mystery of Messiah. So I welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Myers. Conversation as always with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. Many of you are aware that we were able, to, unfortunately, we were of necessity uh, required to cancel our wonderful breakfast anticipated there in Massachusetts for our listeners. The situation was so dire Uh, The consequences of my own life uh, in terms of COVID and what it was doing to me made it impossible for me to be able to uh, gather with you all there in Massachusetts and Connecticut, and we regret that deeply. In fact, we waited until the last possible minute realizing that, well, maybe, maybe God would somehow intervene, but he did not. And uh, so we pressed, we waited, and then we acted. We acted by faith. We acted to protect our listeners. We acted to protect the reputation of what we are doing. And uh, most of our listeners have recognized the necessity of the action that we took. And so for those of you who found yourself... In an awkward situation, which is very possible, uh, having made arrangements to travel distances and so on, we are deeply, deeply uh, disappointed that we had to do this. It is not something that we would ever, ever, ever wanted to do. Not only did we have to do that, but we had to cancel two large speaking engagements that I had been looking forward to there in Massachusetts Uh, for a very significant amount of time. And uh, it's just the way life is. On the other hand, we're pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, and today have come on the air by faith. Uh, Yes, indeed, you might call it the cafeteria, because the coughing has been persistent, On the other hand, I'm trusting that somehow the Lord will keep my voice, (coughs) uh, as you can see, at some level of acceptability as we chat together today. Now, for those of you who uh, paid in advance your, uh, your fee, shall we say, your reservation for that breakfast, we will indeed refund your uh, your payment. There's just absolutely no way that we can, in good conscience, uh, not do that. On the other hand, today I received a call from one of our listeners who had purchased four tickets and indicated, no, Mr. Chris Meyer, we don't want you to uh, refund. We want to make a donation of that amount because we know that you still had to pay the venue uh, for all of the things that uh, have been required. So it's up to you. We have no uh, request one way or the other. <coughs> On the other hand, if indeed you want to make that kind of a donation, please let us know right away because uh, Nicole will be uh, busily attempting to uh, bring about a refund of your reservations. All right, that having been said, we want to move forward here with regard to the matter of Messiah. The book Messiah, my 10th book, was just delivered a day before we had to cancel out that program. We waited and waited and waited and waited. Finally, it was delivered. Messiah, unveiling the mystery of the ages you say well why would there be a mystery of the ages with regard to Messiah uh, don't we as Christians have an understanding of who Messiah is what Messiah is about uh, why is this such a mystery well as you will realize as we move forward uh, both today and in the days and weeks ahead discussing this matter you will realize that how really, really mysterious this issue of Messiah really is. And even for Christians. Even for Christians. That's right. And that's why Antichrist might have persuasiveness. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Meyer. Today we take a look exploring the mystery of Messiah. Indeed, uh, Messiah is mystery. In fact, Jesus himself sought to make his role as Messiah a mystery. Now that may seem strange to you, but it is in fact true. He didn't want to reveal it all. In fact, one of the main reasons for his parables was so that it would not be immediately apparent to people who he was and whenever there was a demon who wanted to reveal his identity he shut him up did not want that identity to be revealed so you can ask yourself why in today's market wouldn't we want to reveal exactly who we are Wouldn't this be the promotional thing that we would want to do? But that's not what Jesus did. In fact, he did just the opposite. And that creates even more mystery for Messiah. If you were to go back to the book of Isaiah, chapter 52, you would find two of the most troubling chapters in the Old Testament that is, troubling chapters for the Jewish people. Here's what they say. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. My servant, I believe referring to Messiah, shall deal prudently. He should be exalted and extolled and be very high. As many were astonished at his, as him, his visage was so marred, more than any man in his form, more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations, and the kings shall shut their mouths at him, for that which had not been told them they shall see, and that which they had not heard they shall consider. Now, that all sounds pretty mysterious, doesn't it? My servant is going to be dealing prudently He's going to be very high. People are going to be astonished at his visage, so marred more than any man. And yet, as a result of that, he's going to sprinkle many nations to the point where the kings of the nations shall shut their mouths at him because that which had not been told them they shall ultimately see, and that which they had not heard they will be required to consider. Now, all of this would seem to be somewhat mysterious. The Jewish people and their leaders, the rabbis, have had great trouble with that particular passage and with Isaiah chapter 53, which goes on to say this, Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? where he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He has no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He's despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Now this is interesting. Because on the one hand, you think of Messiah as the glorious representation of God. On the other hand, this passage seems to indicate that he's not going to appear so glorious. He's going to be despised and rejected, a man of sorrows and equated with grief. That isn't exactly the kind of guy the kind of Messiah, the kind of Savior, the kind of Redeemer, the kind of hope of Israel that the Jewish people were expecting. And so they esteemed him not. On the other hand, it goes on to say, in the book of Isaiah chapter 53, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed so all we like sheep have gone astray we have turned every one to his own way and the lord has laid on him this messiah figure the iniquity of us all He made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence. Neither was there any deceit in his mouth, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Therefore, God says, I will divide him a portion with the great because he has poured out his soul unto death Was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Now, the reason Israel has such a difficult time with these two passages is that they speak specifically of Messiah. But they can't believe, they cannot bring themselves to believe that indeed it does speak of Messiah because that would mean they rejected him. Therefore, they have formed another viewpoint. And that other viewpoint is formed by the rabbis behind the scenes concluding that this individual is not an individual at all. It's actually a people. In other words, the Messiah is actually Israel herself. It's Israel who has been marred. It's Israel's whose visage has been so marred beyond any man. It's Israel who will sprinkle many nations. That's their view. And that viewpoint is determining destiny. In fact, so much so that rabbis basically will refuse to read these passages in the synagogues. It causes too much problem. It causes too much consternation. Because it goes in direct defiance of their belief system as to who the Messiah is. So then you can see how this matter of Messiah is far, far more mysterious than most people really want to consider. Then the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all be changed. We we shall not all sleep, rather, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. What's he talking about? He's talking about the coming of Messiah. He's talking about the Redeemer of humankind. He's talking about the very person that Isaiah writes about in Isaiah 52 and Isaiah 53. The mystery, friends, is upon us. There's no way to avoid the mystery. Jesus himself created the mystery. Now that may seem strange to you, but as we move forward, you're going to find out that that is exactly what happened. In fact, Jesus himself created the secret. Please forgive the coughing. So I want to make available to you the book Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. I can virtually guarantee you, you have never, ever, ever read a book like it. This is the tenth of my books it follows the book Antichrist. How do identify the coming imposter? The reality is, if Messiah himself is shrouded in mystery, it tells us, it warns us, that in fact all the warnings concerning Antichrist are highly relevant. Because the issues with regard to Messiah remain mysterious. So we're going to take a, attempt to take a look at why that is. And uh, it's the purpose of this is not to uh, instill doubt. It's not about doubt. If it was about doubt, then you have to acc- accuse Jesus as being the... the introducer of doubt in his Messiahship as we're going to see shortly. So, the book Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages, is yours for $22 plus $5 postage and handling it is available only now through Save America Ministries. At the end of the month, it will be available through Amazon, but now it's only available through Save America Ministries. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. And uh, we'll put the book in your hands. And I urge you to read it slowly. Remember, Messiah, unveiling the mystery of the ages. This is not something that is just a current mystery. This is something that has been a mystery since time began. I want to share with you uh, some thoughts uh, so that you don't somehow think that I'm conjuring these things up. <clears throat> if you were to go to Holman's Illustrated Bible Dictionary, it says the complete guide to everything you need to know about the Bible. Not quite true, but it, it, it's a very helpful tool. And here is the subject: Messianic secret. You would not think about that Messianic secret, especially after you had just looked through several pages of Messianic prophecies in the Old Testament. That's right. Numerous, numerous, numerous messianic prophecies. So why then this subtitle messianic secret? Throughout the Gospel of Mark, Jesus made every attempt to conceal his true identity as the Christ. Speaking of the Christ, Christ is the Greek word for Messiah, anointed one. Although the messianic secret can be found in the Gospels of Matthew and in Luke, Mark used the unveiling of the Messiahship of Jesus as the unifying theme of his whole Gospel. Now, why did he do that? Was it actually Mark who did that? Or was it Jesus who did that? For instance, (coughs) uh, demons demonstrated that they recognized Jesus immediately. They said, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So why then did Jesus suppress their confession? He prohibited public profession by those who experience miraculous healing. In fact, the parables of Jesus were offered in order to keep outsiders from learning the secret. Contrary to popular opinion by pastors and parachurch leaders across the country who say that Jesus spoke to them in parables to make things easier to understand. It was just the opposite friends. He did not want things to be easier to understand. He wanted them to be more difficult to understand so that people would actually seek him out. So we take a further look at this messianic secret. What is it that Jesus was about? viewpoint friends and our viewpoint concerning these things just might have been in the process of determining destiny so hang in there
0: Prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org.
1: What kind of Messiah are you looking for? It's an interesting question, and it's a very valid question. For instance, as you look at the tempestuous nature of politics right now, As you look at the attacks on our own legal system by those who are supposed to be trusted to bring about justice, what kind of a person would you be looking for to, shall we say, save America? What kind of a person? The globalists, represented by the Attorney General, the head of the FBI, the CIA, the President of the United States, the majority of those in the Democrat Party, all globalists, are looking for a kind of savior who will save the world. When Klaus Schwab talks about the Great Reset, and he talks about Joe Biden being the one to help bring about the Great Reset by 2030, what's he actually talking about? When John Kerry, the so-called environmental czar, appointed by Joe Biden, came out shortly after the election and declared that Joe Biden was the one who was ordained, shall we say, to usher in the new world order, the new global order, the Great Reset, and that it was going to happen much more quickly than anybody anticipated. What do you think they are talking about? I do not think the majority of Americans have a clue because what they are really talking about is a counterfeit savior. They are looking for a Messiah figure, not God, not Jesus. They're looking for a Messiah-type figure who will save the world Without God. As you read my book, Messiah, your eyes are going to be flashingly open. You are going to see how the entire world is looking for a concept of a Messiah. And the reality is, he ain't what the Bible portrays. He's something quite different. And that's why the entire thing is so mysterious and why the warnings concerning Antichrist are so severe. Because in fact, the mystery of Messiah is set in contradistinction to Antichrist. So, biblical interpreters have suggested a number of reasons why Jesus chose to conceal his identity for a time. Perhaps he avoided the title the Messiah, in light of the popular messianic expectations of the people. Why? Well, they were looking for a political deliverer, a king. They were looking for somebody to ride into Jerusalem on a white stallion with a flaming sword at his hand to deliver them from the Romans. That, my friends, is what many are looking for in America today. to ride into Washington on a white stallion with a flaming sword of conservatism to deliver us from the raiding Romans. Jesus prohibited messianic proclamation so that he could continue to move about freely in public. He compared the mystery of the kingdom of God to a man who sows seed and then discovers that the seed put in the ground grows secretly at night, and he doesn't know how. In fact, he says, so is the kingdom of God as if a man should plant seed in the ground. It's one of my favorite passages in Mark chapter 4. He doesn't know how that it grows. See, what Jesus is talking about is the mystery of the kingdom. Jesus didn't force people to accept him as Messiah. And those who had ears to hear had to learn the secret on their own. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. What did the... uh, book of Revelation tell us, in chapters 2 and 3, concerning the the letters to the seven churches of Asia, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. Why? Why was that necessary? Because very few people would hear. And Jesus was not going to compel anybody to hear. He wasn't about trying to market the gospel the way we think of it today. He was about something far more serious. It was about the heart. Those who had ears to hear would learn the secret on their own. And that's why he talked to them in parables. Then also, you see, (coughs) the Jewish people were looking for a reigning king. But if you read Isaiah chapter uh, uh, 52 and 53, you find that he's not presented as a reigning king. He's presented as a suffering servant. Well, that just did not fit the expectations of the Jewish people and does not to this day. On the other hand, Messianic suffering precedes messianic glory. So the reality is that this messianic secret would only be possible to really fully comprehend after the resurrection, wouldn't it? So Jesus wanted his disciples to think about the secret until they could themselves articulate the secret and embrace it fully. Question. Where are you and I with regard to this messianic secret today? Is this something even significant? Or is it much more significant than any of us would even care to admit? Do we really understand the nature of Messiah? Who are we actually looking for? The beloved uh, Apostle John said, Whoever has this hope of the coming of Messiah in him will purify himself even as Christ the Messiah was pure. Will purify himself. Why would he say that? Because it would be necessary <coughs> if you were going to be prepared to receive Messiah for who he really is and was and is intended to be. It would have to be a dramatic life change. In other words, you and I would have to understand the secret lurking behind why Jesus did not want to divulge the nature of his messiahship. Now, if that be the case, then what? Where does that leave us with regard to, uh, shall we say, the book of Malachi it says the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger there of covenant whom you delight in, behold he shall come, saith the Lord. But who shall abide the day of his coming and who shall be able to stand when he appears for he is like a refiner's fire and he shall pur- purify? What is that all about? when Messiah shows up, uh, it ain't going to be the image that most people have. He is coming to rule and to reign, yes. He came first as a suffering servant to forgive us for our sin, if we would humble ourselves. But when he comes again, He is coming to rule and to reign over the nations in righteousness. For righteousness is the habitation of his throne. Yes, indeed, the king is coming. But who's he coming for? I think people perhaps are not quite prepared for that answer certainly the Jewish people are not prepared for it. I have in my hands right now a very, very large book. (coughs) It is The Encyclopedia of Judaism. The Encyclopedia of Judaism. And what is so fascinating about this is the numerous pages that are dedicated to revealing the Jewish view of Messiah. We'll get into it in a moment.
0: Have you ever considered what the early church was like?
1: that is, in America and the Western world, but in Israel. But who is it that they're looking for? If you were to go back about 20 years, 25 years, the expectations of Messiah at that time were maybe about 16%. Now, it's over 60%. But who are they looking for? The Hebrew word Mashiach means anointed, and it's talking about the Savior and Redeemer at the end of days. (coughs) But what does that mean? The Savior and Redeemer at the end of days. What kind of Savior is this? What kind of Redeemer is this? why is a savior or redeemer even necessary? It's interesting, all of this is laid out uh, in the Encyclopedia of Judaism, which is a massive volume, about a thousand pages. In the first temple period, Judaism was not a messianic religion. In fact, the word Messiah didn't even have its later connotation. But from the time of the Babylonian exile, <coughs> excuse me, the idea became associated with the end of days. So messianism contains both restorative and utopian elements. I want you to think about that. Restorative and utopian. Restorative and utopian. Do the same people embrace the restorative that embrace the utopian? Do the same people who embrace the utopian also embrace the restorative? Not necessarily. And that's why, friends... You can see, for instance, within Jewish politics in America, you can see the spirit of those who embrace a progressive utopianism, but not the restorative nature of Messiah. Or they might say, well, what we really embrace is the restoration of all things through a messianic era without actually the Messiah. Now that may seem strange to you, but that is exactly how things are. Messianism contains both restorative and utopian elements. The messianic era, according to the uh, Jewish encyclopedia will restore the throne of the Jewish kingdom of the house of David and will bring back all Jewish exiles to the land of Israel. And that era will also usher in a perfect society in which humanity will live in peace and harmony and will worship one God. In other words, will not worship a Messiah, but will worship one God. Please understand this, because the Jewish people are not looking for a divine Messiah. They're looking for a man, like David. The book of Isaiah depicts the Messianic era as possessed of two aspects, catastrophic and utopian comprising both the day of the Lord, a day of utter chaos and upheaval, and the end of days when the house of the Lord will be established on a mountaintop. In other words, the Temple Mount. Both Jews and Christians have interpreted the book of Daniel's apocalyptic vision of the four evil beasts as a reference to, to a messianic era that would be ushered in by the rise and fall of four successive empires. So messianism was a major element in the literature of the Second Temple when it acquired its eschatological significance for the Jewish people. So the doctrines of the imminent arrival of the Messiah and the resurrection of the dead were key elements in the belief of the Pharisees but were rejected by the Sadducees. So, Israel was deeply divided. During the entire period, the Messiah was seen not as a divine figure, but as an ideal human individual who would save the Jewish people. He wouldn't be a miraculous event nor would a man's nature be changed. God's sovereignty would be accepted by all, and justice would flourish. All incarnated in a man who is not God. This is so important to understand. On this program, leaders from Israel Conservative, Orthodox leaders from Israel have admitted they are not looking for a divine Messiah. Because, from their viewpoint, a divine Messiah would indicate that they missed the boat with regard to Yeshua, Jesus, that he was the divine Messiah. They missed it, and they can't put up with that idea. Therefore, they must deny that there is a divine Messiah. Do you know what the implications of that are? The Messiah is a human being. I want you to think about the consequences of such an idea. The Messiah is a human being. That's the view of Orthodox Judaism. And may I suggest to you, it is the view of virtually every religious belief system in the world. (coughs) Except the genuine Christian faith. Perhaps now you can begin to think that there's something deeper about this mystery that we need to understand if indeed we're on the edge of the second coming of Jesus Christ. There's something mysterious about it. Jesus himself tried to protect the mystery of it because he wanted people to truly embrace and understand from the heart. And they didn't do it. So, within Orthodox Judaism, they stress not national redemption, but the Day of Divine Judgment of a supernatural redeemer known as the Son of Man. Who is that? But that idea was outside the Jewish mainstream. So when Jesus referred to himself as the Son of Man, it just did not compute. It was just total confusion to the Jewish leaders. Well, if he is God, then why doesn't he identify as God? (coughs) If he is the Messiah, why doesn't he identify as the Messiah? That's the question. So it is true that messianic belief has played a crucial role in Jewish history following the destruction of the Second Temple. And through periods of persecution, the messianic hope helped sustain the spirit of the Jewish people and ensured that the dream of a return to the land of Israel would one day be realized. According to Jewish tradition, though, the coming of the Messiah will be preceded by a period referred to as the birth pangs of the Messiah. Now, where do we find that? We find that actually in the book of Matthew chapter 24, don't we? The Olivet Discourse. Judaism, however, does not specify the precise nature of the conditions necessary for the arrival of the Messiah. So, for instance, in the Talmudic tractate Sanhedrin, it states that the Messiah will come when the world is evil, all evil or all good. Really? All evil or all good? Not likely. The arrival of the Messiah who will be a descendant of King David, will be heralded by the appearance of a pre-Messianic figure. (coughs) Who is this pre-Messianic figure? Messiah ben Joseph. So they believe in two Messiahs. Messiah ben Joseph and Messiah ben David, son of David. So... The stage would be set for the triumphal entry of the Davidic Messiah. Now, what's interesting is that on Palm Sunday, the Davidic Messiah made his triumphant entry. And he went into the temple and said, it is written, my house shall be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. In other words, he identified with his authority as Messiah, Ben David, That the Jewish leaders missed it. According to Maimonides, the famous Jewish philosopher, the importance of the messianic hope in uh, in Judaism, by including it as one of the 13 principles of faith incumbent on every Jew, according to him, the flesh and blood Messiah King would be a very eminent prophet, but a mere mortal. you're beginning to get the picture. Over and over again, we find that the emphasis is not on a divine Messiah. It's on a mortal man who God would raise up like Moses to lead the people But he is essentially personal and human. Now, if that be the case, where does that leave the Jewish people? Where does that leave Christians with regard to their ministry to and with Jewish people? Where does that leave all of us with regard to an understanding of who is this Messiah? If he really is not divine, then who is he? You might want to get a copy of the book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. $22. Put it in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. Become a partner, friend, send your gifts by faith to Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia 2325.
0: You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.